Hallelujah. Well, this is my first Sunday back. Greg and I have been away for about four weeks. Greg's still on his way back up. I'm always sort of eager to get back, but Greg, you know, drags his feet a little bit and just likes that little bit of extra time. And I don't know about you guys, you know, the ones that have been married for a little while, but it's almost like uh, every time I go on holidays with my husband, I kind of learn something new about him. <laughs> and each year I see this pattern where he just is so keen to get into like these extreme adventure sports, like he wants to do kite surfing and and I'm just happy with coffee and just, you know, reading my Bible, sitting on the balcony. It's like, it's so opposite. It's hilarious. But anyway, he made me climb a mountain. I say mountain. It was 650 uh, metres up. That's a mountain, right? A hill? Yeah, it didn't feel like a hill. You had to actually use your hands and feet at one stage. But anyway, it's good to be back. It's so good to be back. Did you guys have a good break? Everyone had a, an awesome break and... You know, it's funny because we go away in January. I feel like we just kind of get the year kicked off at the end of January. You know, the New Year's resolution thinks that it doesn't really happen for us. We're like a end of January type. Let's go. Hallelujah. Who's excited to get into the Word this morning? Feel the Lord's put a, a good word on my heart. Amen. So why don't we just pray? Father, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, that you for your Word, Lord. We just thank you, Lord God, that your Word brings life. Father, that your word brings direction, Lord God. And I just thank you, Father, that without you, I can do nothing, Father God, but you speak through me this morning. So, Father, we just open our hearts to receive from you. Lord, we just see people receiving truth that sets them free. And the church said, Amen. Hallelujah. Well, this title of my sermon, and I'm doing two weeks, so it'll be part one part two next week. Um, but I want to talk about this morning, keeping a heavenly perspective, keeping a heavenly perspective. Because, you know, when our focus is slightly off, it's kind of hard to see uh, how we should. And, you know, one of the ways that we keep a right perspective is knowing actually what the Lord had in mind when he set his church in place. You know, on the day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God was poured out, that's when the church age began. And so we're going to look from Scripture just actually what the Lord had in mind when he set his church in place. Uh, the word mission in the Merriam-Webster dictionary means a specific task which a person or group is charged with. And so that's us. We want to know what the Lord's mission is for us, right? And I'm not just talking about us as a local church. I'm talking about the body of Christ, what God intended for us to do and what was our function while we're here on earth. And so it's no surprise that... Uh, I'll do that one in a sec. It's no surprise that the enemy tries and throws the church off track. You know, he'll try and confuse our mission you know, we, we, we start to look really inward, we get offended with one another or, you know, say we get picky about things or, you know, we get judgmental towards those outside the church instead of the message of reconciliation, right? So we've got to stay on focus. We've got to know what God's purpose for the church was. And, you know, I was thinking about John the Baptist he said, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And he just went after it. He knew his purpose. He knew why he was on earth. 
But, you know, if he lost his purpose, it's kind of like, I, uh, I'm, I'm the voice. What am I the voice to? What am I? I'm the voice of one crying. No, he needed to walk with purpose. You see, I can walk from here to there and just kind of, yeah, I guess I'm kind of, oh, it's like, no, this is what we're doing. And I really feel like it's almost like the Lord wants to release fresh vision over us this morning as the body of Christ into actually why we're here. Hallelujah. And so if we look at this statement from Jesus, and you know, the thing about walking in purpose, walking as the church, sometimes people are going to be a bit offended by it. It's just going to happen. Amen. Because we are to look different to the world. Jesus said in John 8, 14, and Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. For I know where I come from and I know where I'm going. What a statement. What a statement. I know where I'm come from and I know where I'm going. And then he says, but you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. And so, you know, if our focus is off, we end up getting into a direction that we were never meant to go. I remember uh, a few years back, I was driving, uh, you know, that big roundabout near Sunset Rise that kind of goes out to Broome North, that one for the locals, sorry if you're not local, but anyway, big roundabout and I was driving behind a car and so we're going straight through the roundabout and as we get through the roundabout, there's a, like a shoulder lane and, you know, just for people to park or whatever and parked on the shoulder lane was a, like a sem- little semi-trailer, semi-trailer? That doesn't sound right, like a little t- tilt truck probably not a semi-trailer, I think they're massive, a little tilt truck just sort of parked up there and a guy had driven down the uh, ride on mower and he was over like mowing the, the land to the left. So you've got this, this tilt truck sitting there and uh, the guy in front of me, he must have been on his phone because what he did was he went through the roundabout and he's looking down and instead of just going straight and continuing on the road, he actually ended up at the top of the, like he drove up and was like, seen at the last minute and just slammed his brakes on and you could see the guy mowing the lawns was like what are you doing and I just couldn't believe I was like because I'm driving past looking at this guy who's just driven up this trailer but that's what happens when our focus is slightly off amen how we see things is really important and so we're going to go through some things here this morning I really believe the Lord's going to help us Um, you know Jesus was on mission He wasn't confused about his purpose or why he was on earth, right? You know, I think of the example of the Syrophoenician woman who remembers that one when, you know, her daughter was uh, needed healing and she came to Jesus. Does anyone remember what Jesus said to her? He answered her, not a word. And then the disciples said, send her away. She cries out after us. Can you make her just stop, please, Jesus? We're We're doing something here. But then he answered and said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And so Jesus knew that first he came to bring salvation to the house of Israel, right? And so he stayed on mission. And as harsh as that seems, you know, we know that the lady ended up getting healing for her daughter because God operates in compassion and mercy. But this is how focused Jesus was on his mission. And some think that really helps us to know what God's intention was for the body of Christ, for the church age, is to look at God's timeline. And so we're just going to look at this 
slide. Who's seen that picture? Anyone? Anyone seen anything similar? And so the Old Testament prophets, they didn't really have an idea about the church, church age. It was sort of a mystery hidden, right? They could see the first coming of Christ, which is the cross. And the second coming of Christ is going to be when he rules and reigns, right? The first time he came as Messiah, uh, as, as the saviour of the world for sin. But the second time he's coming as king and he's going to rule and reign. And so they seen these two mountain peaks, but they weren't really sure what was in the valley. Ephesians 3, 5 says, This mystery was never disclosed to human beings in past generations as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles, his consecrated messages and his prophets by the Holy Spirit. And so, you know, that's also why, just a quick little side note, it's really important that we read the epistles because they're directly written to us. You know, Paul was the one to get this revelation of the church, which is us. And, you know, you don't find what's in the epistles really in many other places, who we are in Christ. We've been seated in heavenly places, our identity, what we have. Amen. Get into the epistles. First Peter 1.10 says, what did, what did God have in mind for the ones, uh, sorry, of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully, prophesying of the grace that would come to you. So that really gives us a massive clue that there's going to be a grace that we get to walk in like no other time. Amen. Something really specific was re is released to us, right, as believers now in the new covenant. And so if we look at what Jesus said, do I have to do that? Oh, there we go. Luke 4, 18. Who knows where Jesus is quoting from here? Does anyone know where Jesus is quoting from? Isaiah 61, Pastor Jen, thank you. So Luke 4, 18, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Clue. That, that shows us that we are in that now. But you know, it's interesting that Jesus actually didn't finish quoting the full passage of Isaiah 61. He stopped. Does anyone know what line he stopped short of? You would know. <laughs> he, what he didn't say was, so he said, I've come to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. What he didn't say was, and the day of vengeance of our God. So that then gives us a really big clue. We're in an age of grace, the day of God's uh, vengeance and judgment for those who aren't in Christ will come. It will come, but it's not now. So when you hear people talking about, oh, God's judgment is being poured out and this weather pattern and, and God's, it's just not, it's not what the Lord is doing in this dispensation. Hallelujah. God was in Christ not imputing their trespasses against them. So that's something that we really need to uh, be aware of. So the Old Testament concept of Jubilee, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, to proclaim the, these are different versions now, to proclaim the accepted and acceptable year of the Lord, the day when the salvation and free favours of God profusely abound. Hallelujah, that's the time that we're in now. The New American Standard Bible says to proclaim the favourable year of the Lord. The New Living Translation says, 
and that the time of the Lord's favour has come. That's the, the time that we're in now. So why? Does anyone know why the Lord did that? What was his intention for us as a church? It's not a trick question. Amen? To spread the gospel, we're to be witnesses. And next week, I'm going to talk a little bit about the Great Commission and the authority that he's given us. But we're just going to go into a few other things this morning. So, you know, to keep our heavenly perspective, we've got to know what our mission is. Whether in our jobs, whether at the shops, whatever we're doing, there's a grace for every one of us to partake of, to be witnesses. It's not about selling everything and being a missionary. We need people in every sphere. Your harvest looks different to mine. I'm not in contact with the people that you are. But you know, it's interesting that as soon as you start talking about the people of God being a witness, you almost sense everyone go, oh, I can't do that, right? Right? And the enemy has really lied to us in this area. Oh, that's just for some or, you know, they're really bold or it's for the event. It's, it's actually not just for the evangelist. Hallelujah. Let's look at Acts. Acts 1.8 says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And what are you going to be? You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. When we leave church and when we're out there in the world, the favour of God is upon us. The grace of God is upon us. You have an anointing, whether you feel it or not, whether you feel super spiritual, it's just the truth of what God's Word says. You shall receive power to be my witnesses. You know, when I was thinking about this and God sort of took me back to a memory, uh, my first job, who remembers their first job? can be so awkward, like you're really young and you're not confident. I mean, this is just me. I don't know, maybe some of you were confident in your first job, but I was just like, I don't, can't even talk to anybody. And that's how much the Lord has set me free from that because obviously I'm doing this. But uh, I just, I was such an introvert. And so my first job was actually uh, at a reception, kind of at the back of a reception of a resort. It's about 15, and I don't know what they were thinking, but anyway, they put me out the back, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but I remember just a heap of papers, and it was some sort of uh, spreadsheet input of some sort. I had no idea what I was doing. And because I was so nervous and shy, I didn't even have the confidence to say, uh, I, I'm not, I don't know how to do this. So honestly, guys, like, hopefully your first job wasn't as bad as mine, but I just pretty much sat there for the first mm, two and a half hours not, not really doing anything, <laughs> not having any impact on the workload. And see, that's where the enemy would like the church to be, not having any impact on the world out there. And by the way, I actually ended up leaving at morning tea and never went back. <laughs> I didn't ask them for a reference, <laughs> needless to say. All right, so let's just go to the Word now. And, and God's Word is true, right? The Lord doesn't lie. Let's just say, let's just see what we are capable of. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 3, 4 to 6 says, And we have such trust through Christ towards God, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, such a big truth there but our sufficiency is from the Lord everyone just take a big breath our sufficiency comes from him 
Amen. It's not about striving. You can so get into works over this type of stuff. I, I need to impact the people I'm around. And, and, but that gets you looking at your own ability, right? And it's got nothing to do with our own ability. It's got to do with him living inside of us. So we keep reading verse 6. Who has made us sufficient as ministers. Everyone say sufficient as ministers. Of the new covenant. Not of the letter but the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Different versions of that says we are able ministers, we are competent ministers, we are sufficient ministers. Hallelujah. Every single one of us can have impact on the world around us. And you know, sometimes we really have to submit to a word like that. It's like in my head, no, I'm not, I can't. What? No way. But see, that's where you come to the Lord like a little child. And you say, okay, Father, if if your word says, Lord, I just trust that you're going to do it through me, right? That's what that looks like. All right, this is a really big key. How? Keep it personal. What do I mean by that? His mission is our mission, right? We've got to make sure we're in constant fellowship and connection with the Lord Jesus. You know, uh, when, I, when Greg and I were on holidays, we uh, went over to the East Coast without the kids. It was amazing, had such an awesome time and we were able to uh, visit one or two churches over there because that's what you do on Sunday, you go to church, right? And uh, went to one church and I ran into a friend of mine who actually used to live in Broome. And uh, when she lived in Broome a long time ago and when we were friends, well, I wasn't walking with the Lord. She never even knew anything about. Her idea of church was like, it's a cult. They're all wearing long dresses. There's a lot of rules. There's some guy up the front in a costume. Stay away. Like that was her idea of church. She had no idea (laughs) that this, we are the church, you know, and we are on mission and it's exciting and there's nothing more fulfilling than walking with the Lord. And so anyway, I met up with her and I was like, how, what happened? And then she's had the same question of me as well because I was a terrible witness at that time. I was drinking and partying and just not walking close with the Lord. And uh, so she had no idea that I had a Christian upbringing. I didn't know she got saved. Bumped into her. Hey, tell me a testimony. What happened? And so she, uh, super into like new age, um, was the type of person that would pack up and go for a year overseas and go in search of like, uh, you know, whatever spiritual energy was happening in a certain country and was just so devoted to what she was really doing was she was searching for the truth, right? And so one of her friends got saved. They're in a group. One of her friends got saved. And uh, this one friend, all the friends kept on having a meeting about this one friend. What has happened to her? We've got to save her. We've got to rescue her. She's in it. I don't know what she's doing. But anyway, this one friend that got saved kept on inviting my friend to church. And again, you, I told you my friend's opinion of church. And so she was like, look, I'm actually going to go in there and just save her. <laughs> so she ends up finally agreeing to go along to church, walked in and was like, this isn't what I expected. And uh, that morning there was someone... Uh, Uh, someone sharing their testimony. They had a guest speaker. He just pretty much shared how he got saved and the Lord moved on her and she just got radically born again. And, you know, one of the things that really stood out to me in what she said was this whole time I was searching 
not knowing I was looking for Jesus. And so when she came into a church and had an encounter with the Lord Jesus, He was the one that she was looking for. Hallelujah. And we've, that's why I'm talking about walking close with the Lord. People don't want an encounter with uh, you know, our set of rules. They, they don't really want to hear about what we're doing for the Lord either. They want a personal encounter with Him. Amen. Keeping it personal. Cass, can you come up here for a minute? It's funny. I felt the Lord say you were going to be here and you just, you don't have to do anything, but you're just in my demonstration. So <laughs> I, I don't know what, what it's about, but we just trust the Holy Spirit. And so... Uh, your breakthrough in this season, hear me church, your breakthrough in this season is going to come from your intimacy with the Lord. It sounds too, too simple, right? And this is why I was going to get Cass up. So Cass and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, I knew her well before I was in church and, and uh, you know, Cass and I have built a friendship over the years and we talked to each other on the phone and we were down south together and or she came and visited and I, I know Cass. I have a friendship with her. I know what she likes. I know what she dislikes. And, you know, as you keep walking with someone, you get to know them more, right? And so I've got this friendship with Cass, but us not knowing the Lord personally and just kind of being all about the, I'll just watch videos about the Lord or I'll just watch someone else speak about Him instead of going to Him and spending time with Him on our own. So what I'm trying to say here, church, is that you can't piggyback on someone else's relationship with the Lord. You really can't. It would be like if, say, someone walked in for the first time and they thought, oh, well, Jess has got a friendship with Cass, so I'm just going to cut in on that you know, the last 10 years or whatever, I'm gonna cut in on that friendship and be friends with Cass. It's the same in the spirit. The Lord says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Hallelujah, thanks Cass. Hope I didn't freak you out too much. <laughs> yeah, let's give her a clap. She's a blessing. She's got an amazing testimony, by the way. If you get time, go and listen to her testimony. You're gonna have a hundred people asking you now, but very, very powerful of what the Lord's done in her life. And we're going to see more of that this year. Amen. All right, where was I? When uh, we were away, went to a, another church and just, it's so good going to church on a Sunday and getting around the body of Christ, getting in the presence of God and just receiving. I was talking to Pastor Jen and it's like coming into church on a Sunday is like, you know, you've worked out and you've had a busy week and you need that meal. You really need that sustenance. Amen. So we, uh, is that the right word? Sustenance, substance. I'm actually not that good, of Eng good at English, so it's funny that I'm doing this. But <laughs> So we went to this church and uh, they, amazing message. They didn't alter call. And I was like, I'm just going to go out for prayer. Why not? I'm just, whatever God's pouring out, I want some. So anyway, uh, the pastor finished preaching an awesome message. And, uh, and then she did the altar call. And then all the prayer ministers sort of came to the front and because it was a bigger church, about 15 prayer ministers came to the front. And so uh, I kind of, and this is my confession to you guys, I'm sure you do it as well, but in the flesh I was like, oh, the pastor's not praying for anyone. Bummer. <laughs> and so then I look and I'm like, all right, oh, I'm pretty sure that's the pastor's daughter. I might go to her. 
oh no, she's the woman's pastor, I'll go to her. And I'm looking for the people with the titles and the anointings and oh yeah, I wouldn't buy. And this is what I'm doing in my natural carnal thinking, right? And so the line filled up, all the prayer ministers had people. And so, okay, and I was literally the only one standing there waiting on the second line. I'm like, this is funny, but anyway, I'm staying here, I'm not going anywhere. And the next person that came available was uh, an older man, probably in his, I don't know, 70s, had like a nice belly. I'm like, you look nine months pregnant, I look six, so we kind of match, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, I can't not go to him. Like, he's, that'd be rude. So he's the next available, right? And so I step up to him and he's like, what do you want prayer for? And I was like, mm. um, joy. I mean, who doesn't want more joy, right? So I just said, I just want the joy of the Lord. And so he goes... And honestly, church, what happened next was such a big lesson for me because this guy, you know, no title, no whatever, he just starts coming out of the heart of God and he just starts saying things to me like, you know, God's going to get you through this. You know, God loves you so much. You know, he's already made the way for you. You know, he sent your son, his son to die for you. And he just starts pouring out of the heart of God. I'm a mess. I just start bawling and not even a nice little. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> and the guy, you know, after he'd finished, just, just hooking into the heart of God, looks down. I think he was a bit surprised, actually, because <laughs> I'm just having this encounter with the father through this guy who I, you know, I guess I did judge him in the flesh, right? And I'm confessing that to you guys. And so I look up at this guy and I just said to him, can I have a hug? <laughs> and so we just have this hug and I just walk away, like, just completely smashed by the heart of God. And why do I say that story? Why am I bringing that story up? This is what he was doing, church. This is exactly what that guy carried. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marvelled because they realised that they had been with Jesus. Hallelujah. That's where it is right there. You know, he, he didn't say to the disciples, uh, come, come to me and you'll learn all about Christianity. Come to me and I'll get you in some denominations. He's, he just said, follow me, right? Follow me and do it in intimacy and do it as though you're walking with Jesus himself. And I'm just going to skip ahead here because we've gone uh, a little bit ahead of time. And I'll finish with this one. Uh, oh, maybe I don't have a slide for it. That's okay. All right, so the last point. You guys good for one more? One more quick one? Okay, so another way to keep our heavenly perspective is making sure that we're building for heaven and not just for earth, right? Because we're passing through, earth is not our home. We've got to make sure we keep that heavenly perspective, that eternal mindset. You know, I was really fascinated with this scripture as a kid, Matthew 6, 19, 21. And I remember reading it as a kid and just thinking, wow, and it says, it's not actually on there because I've skipped that. Sorry, guys. Matthew 6, 19, if anyone wants to open there in their Bibles, it says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. We know this one, right? Who knows this one? 
where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I'm reading a book at the moment and it's, uh, it was actually written in the late 1800s and it's about a woman who was very, very sick uh, and she went into a coma and she, while she was in this coma, she had an experience of heaven. And uh, one of the things she talks about in the book is that when she first gets to heaven, her, um, she sees her brother there and she goes into this river and she remembers thinking, oh, I can't get in, I've got my, all my clothes, I don't have a towel. And her brother was like, don't worry about it, that's not, that's not a thing here. And so they go and they walk into this river and she reckons that when she went in, she could breathe and, and talk just exactly the same as if she were out in the air. And so she, and she just is describing this sensation and she remember sits on the bottom of the river and feels the stones and just... And then when they walk out, they're dry and just some really cool things like that. But what has really impacted me with this book is that uh, she talks about that when... She gets to her house, her mansion, right? We've got mansions in heaven, the Bible says. And so her brother takes her into, this, into her house and he's showing her around and all the different rooms. And they get to this one big room in the centre of the house. And as she walks into the room, she's just, it's a, an amazing room. But what she says is she looks down on the ground and because there's no death in heaven, right? The plants, nothing dies. She looks down and she sees uh, these roses and they're all, have you guys read this? Oh, and so she, and you know, we're not going to build a doctrine out of this, but what, I, I'm bringing this up because it's good to talk about heaven every now and then, right? It keeps us having the right perspective. We're just passing through here. And so she talks, talks about this floor and there's these roses and, and her brother shows her the room and she's like, well, hang on, we better pick up the roses. Are they they're going to get kicked around or whatever. And as she goes and picks up these magnificent roses all over the whole floor, they're up the ceilings, she sees that they're actually embedded in the marble. And they're embedded, and she just thinks, I've never seen anything like this. And her brother says, yeah, there's actually a story behind that. And uh, some kids, while she was on earth, some kids that she had a little bit to do with, uh, I think they were, you know, sort of, family, friends or something like that. And she just has a little bit of input in their life. You know, she says, oh, it's just a kind word or, you know, she didn't really think a lot of it. But what she was doing was laying up treasures in heaven, taking these opportunities where both our lives are so connected here on earth that they are to heaven. Amen. And we just got to remember that every little thing we do down here, the Lord sees, Right. And we build that foundation for heaven. Amen. We're not from below, we're from above. Hallelujah. If you can all just stand, I'm just going to read a scripture and then we're going to close. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. And so I just want to read 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18. And it says, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, 
is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And this part, it says, while we do not look to the things which are seen, what's the next part? We look to the things which are unseen. For the things which are seen are temporary and the things which are not seen are eternal. And just as we get the, oh, thanks, Sol, yeah, team back up. You know, the Lord is calling us all closer in this season. He's calling us to have a higher perspective, that heavenly perspective. You know, not to get too caught up in the day-to-day, in the battles, in the trouble. Let's be heavenly-minded. Let's keep that eternal perspective. You know, just like that woman had those kids come up to her and, and, and because she was kind to them, they were a part of, you know, her, her treasure in heaven and they did that for her. They did that room. That One of the girls had a creative gift on her life and so that's how that comes in. And so, you know, let's just close our eyes and let's just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us for a minute. Father, we just thank you, Lord God. Father, we thank you for your word, Lord God, that it shifts and changes, Lord, and it adjusts our perspective, Father God, that we are, we are from above, we're not from below. Father God, that we do look different to the world, Lord, because we're born of you. And we just thank you, Father, we carry your spirit, Lord God, that your word says we are able ministers of the new covenant. And Father, there's such a joy in that, Lord God, when we keep the right perspective. So we just thank you, Lord. And, you know, I just pray for everyone at this time, Father, that has had doubts about, you know, uh, you in them and who they can impact. Or, you know, some of us possibly have had wrong motives about things and we only want to, you know, do good works when there's other people around. And so, Father, we just turn from that and we just thank You, Lord, that You see everything, Father God. Father God, You said, draw near to me and I'll draw near to You. In the mighty Name of Jesus. Amen. Now, I just want to give you an opportunity this morning that if you're here and you would say that, I I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven. I don't know the Lord Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity to come up and pray a prayer that will guarantee your salvation. You know, we've been talking about good works. We're not saved by good works. We're only saved by what was done on the cross. The good works are like the awesome gifts that that are heaped up in heaven for us, the rewards. So if that's you this morning, please come down. It'll be a life-changing day for you. You're not meeting with a religion. You're not meeting with a set of rules. You're not coming in to, you know, follow Victory Life Broom, you're going to meet Jesus Himself. Thank You, Lord God. In Jesus' mighty Name. Thank You, Lord. We'll go out with a song, guys. Praise the Lord. And if you want to pray that prayer, please come up. If you want prayer for anything else, please come up and the pastors will pray with you. Uh, Anything at all, come up and receive a touch from the Holy Spirit. While we play this song, come up.